Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I am Kerwin and I'm here with my buddy. Sure. And uh, today, um, this one is between what, November 29th and December... And December 5th. December 5th. And we're recording this on December 13th. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're in two different locations, so we're trying to get everything working. So, um, Christian, what do you have as your background today? Um, I have an Alitalia 777 landing, and I just thought this was a particularly nice picture. So. Yeah, it, it is. I haven't seen one of those in ages. Um, I think uh, my very first time trying out Italia was on a, on a 777. I think it was uh, New York to Rome. I think it was. Um, and I have a scene on, uh, in Dublin, the Wild Atlantic Way. And um, the Wild Atlantic Way is one of the uh, scenic routes in Ireland. So if you ever go to Ireland, um, definitely check out the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, it is the road that goes along the Atlantic coast and it, it is pretty amazing. Um, there are some parts that are really, the roads are really, really tiny, where you, you literally have I don't know how cars pass, but thank God the cars are small. Uh, all right, we're gonna jump right into it today. Um, we reported, uh, I think maybe one or two episodes ago about the, um, the airplanes being parked and the pedo tubes getting filled up by these insects. And we were, we were saying that this is not a new problem. We're probably just noticing it because there's a lot more airplanes being parked. And so um, Kusha has an update on this one. What's been going on with that so far, Kusha? So um, this is a story that came out very recently uh, and concerned Australia. Now, for those of us who have traveled or to Australia, we know that they have really strict biosecurity rules um, in regards to what you can or cannot bring into the country. Well, it seems the wasps have evaded um, Australia's strict rules. And in particular, they've been localized around Brisbane Airport in Queensland, in the Northeast. Hmm. Um, this originally started in 2013 when an Etihad aircraft um, bound to Singapore was on the ground for two hours at Brisbane and on the way back, turned back after a little while because the crew lost their airspeed. Pito tubes, which of course give you airspeed and altitude indications, mm -hmm. uh, stopped working. So the aircraft went into manual and the crew decided to um, abort the trip and, re and land at, come back to Brisbane. And on landing, they discovered that the pitot tubes were completely long. Um, now, this, remember this aircraft was on the ground for two hours in Brisbane. So in that span, um, the pitot tubes were somehow blocked. Wow. And they identified the culprit as a keyhole wasp that is native to uh, Central America, South America, and the Caribbean has also been found in uh, the US, Hawaii, Polynesia, Micronesia, and even as, as far north as Japan. Hmm. Um, and 
they suspect that it came in through uh, cargo ships. So in 2000, in the way early 2000s, and they haven't really noticed an issue until um, they, this 2013 incident. So what I found was very interesting that they, uh, the authorities from Brisbane Airport, in collaboration with Qantas and, and an environmental consultancy group called EcoShore, they published their first reports on WASPs and PTO tubes in this open source journal called P-L-O-S-O-N-E. I don't know if you pronounce that PLOS one or if it's an abbreviation, but anyway. The PLOS name. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what they did um, is that they wanted to nip this in the bud um, because clearly it's a serious problem. It's not a native uh, species to Australia and it poses a significant risk to the aircraft. So um, what they did is that they created uh, 3D images, 3D printing rather, of video tubes from uh, 747s, 330s, 737s, and lots of regional aircraft. And they installed these at different locations around Brisbane Airport, including the grassy areas around the airport. Um, and what they found is that over a 48, uh, sorry, a 39-month test period, they had 93 fully blocked video tubes. Wow. Um, most of them were close to uh, grassy areas, as they expected. And what they discovered is that there are these caterpillars tiny, tiny caterpillars in the grassy areas that these keyhole wasps feed on. Hmm. All they need is a nest spot. They put a caterpillar in there, they lay an egg, and they seal it up. And it's a really quick process. Wow. And um, this is what apparently was happening. And, this, and the Australia case was not the first one in the hemisphere because it's also happened in Papua New Guinea, which of course is a neighboring country. And um, so they decided to use uh, organic pesticide to spray the grassy areas. And the incidence of uh, blocked video tubes went down by 50%. Oh, wow, okay. So what they were recommending is all airlines to cover the aircraft video tubes on landing at Brisbane immediately Mm -hmm. But they haven't made it mandatory, which is a little odd. Yeah, that's weird. And the one problem is um, that Australia has not classified this as an agricultural pest, this keyhole wasp. And they've also said that it is not a, a vector for human disease. So they haven't done anything active to eradicate the, uh, the insect. Interesting. And uh, that's the issue at hand. But I just thought it was a very interesting story. Um, yeah. And there haven't been any recent incidents after that. But I don't even know if carriers are covering their video uh, tubes while the aircraft are on the ground during a turnaround at Brisbane. Yeah, because so, normally, and normally you don't do that, right? Because right. there's no reason for you to cover the video tubes during a right. turn, especially if the turn is so short. Even overnight, you wouldn't do that. Um, yes. 
they've uh, discovered actually a lot of uh, even overnight uh, stays at certain airports yeah. uh, have caused these pedo tubes to be blocked. That's interesting. You think these so, insects are really amazing, huh? Ingenious. Like you go for the smallest, just because you're trying to hide your nest. <laughs> and that's a really good place <laughs> to hide it if you think about it, right? Oh my God, we should get yeah. to the intelligence of these insects. It's like, oh, oh so, wow. That's a cool story. That's a really, really cool story. Um, all right, so we go from a really cool story <laughs> to a story that's been on everybody's mind. It is a little airplane or maybe a big airplane called the 737, but it's not just any 737. It's a 737-7-8-9, formerly known as a 737 yeah. MAX. <laughs> so um, so the airplane is flying but again this... or is about to be flown again and Boeing didn't have any no, it's flying again. It's flying again, right? And then uh, quietly, yes, right? Yes. You haven't even heard it on the news. And Very then, quietly. Um, We're going to talk about it next week. Exactly, because it's really, really quiet. But then, you know, we thought it was going, like nothing was going to happen with it. And an airline bought some of them. So which airline was that? So this was on BBC, because this was a really big deal. Yeah. Um, this aircraft has been grounded for one and a half years. And this was Boeing's bread and butter plane. Um, long story about it. But uh, software design problems caused two crashes in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And of course, uh, orders dried up. No surprise. The aircraft was grounded, as we said. So um, during the week of December 29th, Ryanair made this very surprised announcement that it was going to order 75 more of these aircraft. But you would never know it was the MAX because they specified it as the 737-8200, which really is a sly way of saying it's the Dash 8 MAX with the 200-seat capacity that Ryanair is the launch customer for. Ah, okay. No, no what, so, weren't they going to call it the Dash 10? No, that's a different one. Ah, okay. That one hasn't even flown yet. Okay. It hasn't even been manufactured yet. Right. So this is the Dash 8. Uh, but it's the 200-seat version versus the 180-ish seat version for most other carriers. Right, because it got no leg So Ryan has already ordered 135 of them, but this was an additional fresh order of 75 uh, with a list price of 22 billion US dollars. And Which you know they got a good deal on this. Yeah, yeah. Order. yeah that's but of course, cute. Michael O'Leary said, no, they got a fairly good price, which of course means they've got a great deal. Yeah, he wouldn't have bought them if they didn't get a good price. Yes. So, um, again, I thought this was sort of an important story to include because it was a vote of confidence in this area. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, so, the, the thing with the Max, right, I mean, it's it's not... They made a serious mistake that actually cost people their lives, which was really horrible. Um, but the, the thing with yeah. the aviation industry is that this kind of, unfortunately, this happened, and it's not this. It's 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 going to continue happening because um, in aviation, there's it's a always rare misstep. It is. They're they're always rushing to do things, and um, 
you know, the, the, the good thing about this is that at least this is probably, this is the safest airplane out there because they've checked yeah. everything on this airplane now before it came back into service because nobody yeah. wants a repeat performance. Um, I remember Boeing didn't even want to make this plane really. They, uh, their hand was forced after the Airbus 320 series Neo. Exactly. So they had to so, do something. Boeing had nothing in uh, comparison. So yeah, so they actually asked Calhoun, which is the CEO of Boeing, mm -hmm. if there was sort of a sly rebranding going on. And of course he denied it. But I mean, you have to believe the Max name is a little bit tainted, at least as of now. Given how short people's memories are, who knows if Boeing yeah. will continue with this. But um, uh, we'll, well have he, to wait and find out. He probably said no because the marketing people, look, we have a marketing plan. <laughs> yeah. so, so don't go say anything, <laughs> you know, because you know everything. You deny, deny, deny until you can't deny anymore. And so um, after, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely gonna, I mean, it's, it's not new for um, airplane companies to re rename airplanes, right? So um, yeah. yeah, that's probably gonna happen. Yeah, but Gold in Brazil was actually uh -huh. the first airline to operate it very, very quietly, completely under the radar. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna talk about it next week. All right, cool, yeah, I saw- So I far they've had, uh, no incidents, as you would hope. Yeah, yeah. I saw something came through. Uh, well, so when, um, since you're on the subject, when is American doing their their familiarization? December twenty ninth. They've already started. Okay, because they've doing already one, started. They're doing one with crew, right? Uh, just crew and employees, yeah, all of done. American or something. All done. First okay. commercial flight, um, at least as of now, the December, the 14th, 13th of December. Yeah. It's on the 29th of December between Miami and New York, LaGuardia. So we'll see if that goes ahead. Yeah. I'm curious fun. to know if people will book away from the flight. No, they won't. Because they don't yeah. know. Some people might, I think. Mm. Some They'll, they'll have no idea. It'll just be, they'll say, oh, look, I'm going to Miami. I'm so, going to New York. Okay, let me book this flight. Yeah, they'll have no right. idea. Um, all right, so speaking of airplanes, so, too, um, there's a little plane called the Dornier 328, which I actually thought this thing was gone. It's a little, uh, it's, like, it's a twin. It's a it twin was. Yes, it is. Yeah, so actually, what's I, have, I have a lot of questions about this one. Again, very interesting. So the Dornier 328 is an aircraft that was first built in uh, 1991. Mm -hmm. Didn't really hit the sales chart, set the sales charts on fire. They built about 200 and 200-ish planes. Not exactly a sales success. And um, eventually in 1991, the program that was actually from Deutsche Aircraft in Germany was sold to Fairchild in the US. It then went on to be resurrected um, in Turkey as the T328. Even that was abandoned in 2017. Yeah. So this aircraft has a really colorful history. It's um, uh, in the 30 to 40 passenger range. It's, so it's a small uh, regional commuter plane. Right. It also high, has high a lot of Yes, high engine. It sort of looks like a smaller ATR. Yeah. 
with a slightly more tapered nose. Um, and uh, so what Donia announced very surprisingly is that they were going to resurrect this plane and rebrand it as the 328 Echo. So it was going to have a goal for future aviation with a zero emissions flight objective. So they've redone the cabin, make it a more comfortable stand-up design so a person can actually stand up. They've increased the seating back capacity by about nine passengers to 43. And what, this is the part that I found very interesting is that they are going to target future single pilot operations for greater operation efficiency. I didn't even know that was on the cards. So I thought that was against the rules. But clearly, I was missing something. Wow, really? They're going to have um, one pilot in there? In the future. I didn't think that was do, what. I didn't think you could do right. that. Especially not in the US. Yeah. I doubt happen. Europe would do something unilaterally. No. So it's going to run um, on um, uh, biofuel. So with a zero emissions goal hmm. in the next 15 years, which is faster than other any other original equipment manufacturer. Another thing I had uh, an issue with is, given how efficiency was key in this endeavor, why did they choose an airframe that was about 20 years old in terms of design? They've got Keeper. new problems engines, for sure, with uh, Pratt & Whitney. But um, I would expect the wings to be different, but apparently they're not going to be. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's, this is just a future testbed for these uh, future zero emissions technologies, and not exactly prototype of what a zero emissions aircraft will be, but I could be wrong. But I just wanted to mention it since it was first real concrete example of something happening. They're going to actually produce it in a, a, what they call it a paperless flight assembly line in Leipzig, in Germany. So this is a new location for the mm -hmm. uh, aircraft. It'll, it will be interesting to see who orders it and if it will find a military role as well. Because it is a multi-purpose aircraft. It, 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 it sounds like it's probably cheaper to bring to market because they're using, but, but Leipzig, where they're building it, they don't have a pre-existing factory, right? See, that's the part that wasn't very clear. Unless they're moving all this it stuff that they had that used to, that they yeah. used to have to there because it's probably yes. cheaper to build it in Leipzig. And then, oh, um, yeah. yeah, it's probably quicker to market to build in a new jigs, that, to use a current jigs than to yeah. build new jigs. Yes. So that's my guess. Yes, absolutely. Plus the certification and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, actually, I think this would be a good yeah. uh, uh, guess of it. Given that know, they will likely be the first. Yeah, there's a lot of rich people out there in aviation. I mean... <laughs> this is the German government exclusively. So I don't believe Fairchild is part of this. Uh, I don't even think Fairchild exists, does it, anymore? I forgot to check I, that. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, because it was Darnia Fairchild, right? Um, right. 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, Horizon like, had it in the US. Yeah, but then I think British Airways flew right. it as well. I'm trying to think. I know I flew one. I'm trying to think of who I flew it on. Because yeah. remember, this had the jet equivalent as well. It was called the 328 JET. Right. And it's probably the 328 <laughs> jet that I was thinking of. I might have flown like Lufthansa City Line or somebody like that. Okay. Um, on it. It was like a flight from, maybe it was my flight from Frankfurt to Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, which by the way, you, so the, the joke about flying from Frankfurt to Nice is that you've gone to France because the codes is F-R-A-N-C-E. It's a stupid aviation joke. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that one to see how that goes. Uh, all right, we're going to jump to airlines now. And something that's always bugged me in the industry is a bunch of people who bring their animals on board don't want to pay for it and claim it's emotional support. Well, uh, just this past week, we got some new news on this, and Krishna's going to tell us about it. So um, this was in a business magazine, actually, Inc. Um, and this was a long overdue development. Yeah. For a lot of people in the US, this emotional support animal issue has become a huge deal when flying. People have abused this, and I'm going to say abused because I do believe it is that. No, they have. Um, they have. The uh, flight attendants union that approved this called it an end to the madness of extreme emotional support animals like miniature horses, turkeys, gliding possums, I didn't even know that about the thing, snakes, spiders, and more. Possums, I think really? it all came to a head uh, when that uh, someone, I, I forget if, if it was a man or a woman, tried to check in uh, a turkey. Um, wasn't it? No, a turkey or an it was a It was a peacock. Peacock, peacock in you're right. Yeah, in you're right. And United. Yes. On United, yes. Mm -hmm. So um, airlines, all the most of the airlines in the U.S. actually cooperated, had patience, and uh, organized a very solid campaign to convince the Department of Transportation that this was a matter that was clearly out of hand. So it took them about a year to get their act together, and the problem was that the government required airlines to allow emotional support animals to board with passengers. But the big issue was that they did not specify the definition of an emotion, mm -hmm. which is why, of course, people took advantage. So what the Department of Transportation just did in a 122-page document that is available online, by the way, uh, they actually specified that service animals are now limited to dogs, as they could say, individually trained to do the work or perform tasks for the benefit of a qualified individual with a disability in line with the Americans with Disabilities Act. And um, now airlines are given the authority to classify emotional support animals as pets rather than service animals. Ah, it gives them go. a lot more discretion. 
Yeah. And of course, the flight attendants union in the US was the one pushing really hard because they were on the front line of this. And they were having to deal with a lot of sniping, uh, uh, biting incidents. Say nothing of the cases where the air, the animals would relieve themselves on board. Mm-hmm. This really was a ridiculous situation. It at really least was. on board U.S. U.S. airlines. And I've seen and it. That has hopefully been brought to an end. Yeah, hopefully. I mean. Uh, I've seen it many times uh, where the, the, I saw this girl, she's on the phone and she's yapping away and her little dog is yes. peeing, peeing right in the middle of the way and she's not doing anything about it. And so the agent was like, I'm not cleaning that up. You're going to clean that up. And it's, and she's right. It's like you, a, a train yep. dog does not do that. And so, um, and I was, even, yes. I was even on a flight and the guy next to me had one and he, and I said, you know, and I asked, I go, so did you pay for your dog? He's like, oh, no, no, no. There's a way you can just tell them that it's an emotionally support animal and you don't have to pay. So that's what I did. And I didn't pay. And this yeah. was a return trip. Yeah. They were talking of doctors who were writing thousands of these documents, yeah. if you will, requiring uh, that was required by airlines. Yeah. That this was an emotional support animal and it was a it was an out and out scam see and these doctors yeah. should be fined or something be disavowed yes. yes they definitely should be because for you to do something what else are you doing right if you're doing something like this so i'm glad yeah. that selfish um, just pure selfishness absolutely so i'm glad that they put um i'm glad that they put uh where is it um they put some kind of thing around it Hopefully it's brought to an end, actually. I hope so. I so, really hope so. Okay, but, you know, people are going to start suing now, right? And it's like, of course you know, they are. It's like, no, don't start suing. Of course. You were being bad and you got caught. And you knew you were being bad. You purposely did this. Yeah, it just kills me. And they're like, well, it's too expensive to bring your animal in. But you know what, Kusha? If I had a, an animal, I wouldn't bring them on a plane because it's so stressful for the animals. Yeah. It really, really is. And people just don't. An animal is not cheap. It is. And even something when you say, you know, related to this is when you tell people uh, you can bring an animal on board, but they have to stay in a carriage or they have to be a certain size. They must be able to turn around. You see them bringing the animals and they can't fit in the cage or they take them out. And it's like, no, the rules say you're supposed to keep the animal in the cage. Well, it's not big enough. Well, you, you need a bigger cage. And if it's too big, you can't bring the animal. But people are just selfish. So I'm so glad that they've done something. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, and, and the bad thing is that there are people who have, who need an emotional support animal. Yes. And they were penalized. And they, exactly. And so um, yep. that is the problem um, that I see here. It's like, if you just bring in Fido just because you want to bring Fido, don't say it's an emotional support animal because there are actually people who need them. I wanted to know if this was ever an issue outside the US. I doubt it, but I don't know. Probably not. Um, it's only Americans <laughs> that do stupid stuff like that. Um, Europeans are actually quite good. <laughs> like, so, and you, you know this too. You could tell the Americans when you fly in Europe <laughs> because, because one, they come in and they have the biggest- Slippery slope you're going down. I know, but it's the truth. 
you commit and, and people who listen will will say, yep, I've seen it. You get on the plane, they have the biggest bags. They're always arguing with the flight attendant because they want to- They're the loudest. Them. They're the loudest because they want to put something where it doesn't belong. And everybody else has come in and sat down and ready to go. And this one person is just being an, well, well I, I, I carried my bag on the flight I flew from New York. It's like, well, you, well, you shouldn't have. <laughs> and you're not in New York anymore. You're now in Amsterdam and you can't take it on the plane. So, yeah. Sorry. I see I've set you off. I know. It's my pet peeve. I, I, I just don't <laughs> like when people do stuff like that. And, and everyone thinks all Americans are like that. They're like, oh, these dying Americans. Like, no, that person is like that. Not every American is like right. that. So, yeah. Uh, you guys know where I stand on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, dude, that was not even a COVID story. Our first three stories were not yes. stories. How did that happen? All right, we're going to change that because this one is a COVID story. <laughs> uh, what's Delta doing with contact tracing? Um, this is actually a good news story. Yeah. Um, so Delta, um, let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Most U.S. airlines have resisted contract contact tracing, which has proved to be very, very successful in containing COVID, um, at least in Asia. Right. Where I've heard the most examples, like South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong. Those are the ones I've heard of. And um, most airlines from the U.S. have backed away due to privacy issues. But Delta now becomes the first U.S. airline to actually help um, U.S. uh, Center for Disease Control to institute contact tracing on its international flights to Europe. So what they are doing starting December 15th is that Delta is requiring passengers traveling from abroad to the U.S., to provide personal information um, that it will provide to the CDC that includes their names, phone numbers, email addresses, and the US addresses. Good. The one thing that is again very odd, at least going westbound, is that the passengers will not be required to do that. But if you're going eastbound, Specifically, if you're going to Italy, um, you are required to do that as per the agreement Delta has with Rome Airport. Okay. So, um, again, I think it's a little bit of a privacy issue with the U.S. still, but it's not for Europe, where they're much more strict with this sort of thing in order to better get a grip on the situation. Um, So, as I said, it's not mandatory westbound, but it is for um, eastbound flights, especially to Italy. Yeah. Um, so what is going to happen is that passenger manifests from Delta um, are going to be provided to the CDC, which is again, the Centers for Disease Control here in the US. And when Delta learns of a passenger who tests positive, remember that or at anyone traveling to and from the US between the US and Europe has to undergo these tests. Um, So if a passenger tests positive, 
anyone seated two rows around this infected passenger will be advised of the case and they have to take the appropriate measures. Why wouldn't you advise the entire so, plane? Say that again? Why wouldn't they advise the entire plane? Because they found that the transmission does not really affect passengers beyond a two-passenger radius. So you could have passed that passenger on the way to your seat. You could have gone. You could have mingled with them yeah. at the check-in. Well, you could have. You could have. I don't know. You could have talked to them at the at the toilets. You could have stood next to them in the galley. Are these people just not thinking? Do you think you just get in a plane and sit down and you get off and that's it? <laughs> well, remember this is what uh, this is an article in the New York Post, which. Um, Again, when news articles are not researched very thoroughly, yeah, for the most part. I, yeah. I don't want to say that categorically, yeah. but they leave out a lot of stuff. This is missing a little, a few details, Grisha, because so, why wouldn't you tell the entire plane? I want to know, regardless of where I'm sitting. Yeah. Uh. See, airlines are treating very lightly, again, because I'm sure they're afraid of being sued. Yeah, I know they are afraid of being sued, but... Um, but at least Delta had that that's to do with it, though. Yeah. All right, we need to... F the thing is that a lot of these things, they're not on, like, they're not... Because contract tracing is the key to cutting down on infections. I mean, just ask South Korea, ask Taiwan, Singapore. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'm going to see if I can find some more information on Delta's website about it. Because a lot of these, a lot of these news outlets, um, they just hear a positive story, or they're not aviation people. Mm. They just reporting it because Correct. they Correct. want to click. Um, Correct. So we'll we'll have to try to get some more details on that. Um, trying to think if I if I know it so, as a PR person, because that doesn't it, it it doesn't make sense that you only tell a part of the plane. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I assume you're going to tell the flight crew, right? I mean, not the flight, well, the crew. Everybody was on the plane who, who operated. That's the part they left out. And what about the gate agent? That person had to have passed by the gate agent. So, and then why stop there? What about the security? Uh, well, yes. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying, right? If you're going to do contact tracing, then you should let everybody knows who was in contact with that person that you can, you know, you can plausible um, do. Yeah. Obviously, they must have come through the security controls. Uh, irritating. Um, are, we, are we doing good? But that sort of, yeah, I think so. Okay, all right. Um, but this that sort of ties in with the next one. And I'm jumping ahead at the of you. Oh, no, it's okay. With, is is um, this the one about Breeze Aviation? No, actually, oh, sorry. It was the one about KLM. Okay. Well, doing yeah, we, something very similar. Okay, what are they doing? So what since we're doing? on the COVID topic. Yeah, yeah, we can, we, can, we can continue on the COVID topic. That's all good. What's going on so, with that one? Again, shortly after this announcement of Delta, Air France KLM, which of course is a partner with um, Delta in the US, yeah. announced that they were announcing um, COVID testing for flights between um, Amsterdam and Atlanta. Okay. Now, if you remember a few episodes, or perhaps it was last episode, the Delta announced a similar program with Rome, right. Italy. Mm -hmm. So Air France KLM 
is now instituting this uh, quarantine-free requirement for its flights. It's four-time weekly flights between Amsterdam and, and Atlanta, and it centers around the concept of multiple tests. So um, under the KLM plan, remember this is only applicable to KLM flights. Uh, you require a PCR test five days before the flight, mm -hmm. another rapid test at the airport at check-in, and a third PCR test after landing at Atlanta. And only negative passengers who test negative will be accepted on board. Um, you can skip the five-day required five to ten-day required quarantine in the Netherlands if you're going eastbound from Atlanta. But as far as I know, Georgia does not require any quarantine for passengers arriving. Yeah, the US and of course, is it's weird. still restricted to um, a particular type. Of, it's not everybody can avail of this because there is no free travel or free um, passengers travel between Europe and the US currently. Uh, so yeah. this, as I said, is only applicable to the four times weekly KLM flights starting December 15th for a three week trial period. And it's not applicable to Delta's daily flights. So on those flights to Amsterdam on Delta, you still have to uh, have to undergo the mandatory quarantine in the Netherlands. So this is again just a test um, reported in Reuters, which I just think it's weird. I thought was a very big deal. So does this and this is expanding? So does this mean that when these people get off the plane, because you know how Schiphol is, right? Once yeah. you get off the plane, you mix with everybody else. Are they just gonna? Mm -hmm. Are they gonna usher you straight to a a, a a guy? And what if you're connecting? How are these just um, you know, yeah, passengers just Good point bound, just bound for Amsterdam? Again, another one. Probably just where, local. Where you where you know you need more details. It's like. And when uh, do you undergo that PCR test? Right. Immediately at landing. I mean, I don't see that happening though. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go look at this one. And so this is so, also for um. Uh, what do you call it? Um, um, oh, what's the thought? I, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, oh, who's going to pay for these tests? There's three of them, right? I assume the mm -hmm. passenger has to pay for all three of them. Yes, the passenger. God, travel is yes. expensive now. It's like 180 yep. bucks or something for each of them. Oh, wow. Um, you know, given that it's a three-week trial period, um, maybe they'll pay. Again, this is something they didn't mention. Yeah. But then it's it, hard it, to track down information like it this, is. whether right. it was free or not. Right, we're going to find out. I would imagine it would be free during this trial period. Yeah, but then if it works, they're going to try to implement it. And so yes. when you when you implement it, it's uh, going to be the passengers <laughs> almost. But you know that's like an extra what four or five hundred dollars just to. Do you know what they're doing it to Hawaii? Yeah, I wonder how those flights aren't success. Yeah. Hmm. And I see yeah. Hawaii. Speaking of Hawaii, they have like a test where um, something like they want you to come and stay in Hawaii, so they're actually paying for your flight to get there, right? And all the testing and stuff like that, you just have to pay for the hotel. But it's super expensive to stay in a hotel in Hawaii for a week. Of course. <laughs> so. <laughs>
I applaud these uh, countries and cities for trying to, you know, boost tourism. Innovative things, these vocations, as they call them. Yeah. And then Spain is doing it. I know, but oh. they're not they're not cheap. Like the ones in the Caribbean of are course really not. expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. I think we mentioned this earlier. Barbados has taken the lead. Yeah, Barbados offering... has. Um, I think they call it the World Visa or something like that, that Michael was talking mm. about too. Um, so. Yeah, interesting. All right. Um, so I guess yeah. we can, so we getting can, back to your... We can get to our Breeze Aviation story now, right? Um, so this again, in Airways, and a very unique story, I thought. I've never heard of this happening before. So Breeze yeah. Aviation is a new airline from uh, the JetBlue founder, David Neelman. And what this is, is a new ultra-low-cost carrier based in Salt Lake City, but yeah. with point-to-point -point flights between um, secondary airports in the U.S., avoiding hubs. So what they're going to do, this is marketing speak again, improve guest travel experience using technology, ingenuity, and kindness. So given they are at Salt Lake City headquarters, uh, they are partnering with Utah Valley University, abbreviated as UVU, to recruit flight attendants. Yeah. So um, this is a new program that I believe no other airline has instituted. So what's gonna happen is that Breeze will hire qualified um, in-state students at UVU in Utah as flight attendants and then provide them, as they say, a path to a degree. They will re receive full tuition reimbursement of up to 6,000 US dollars a year but they must be accepted as a full-time student first and complete at least 30 credit hours per year to qualify with a GPA of 3.0 at the very minimum. Uh, they will complete their initial flight attendant training in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. while going to school, but university classes will be limited during the training procedure. Training uh, protocol, they have to be at least 20 years old, willing to relocate to Utah and work 15 days a month. Uh, and as I said, they have to be accepted for admission to the university before the initial flight attendant training day. Um, Breeze will, of course, pay them uh, a salary, including housing and one paid trip home per month. Hmm. So I... I think this is a pretty good idea. They're going to get pretty, I mean, unique idea. They're going to get fairly cheap people. Yeah. And uh, they're going to get very <laughs> young people. I know. That was my thing. It's a way to, yeah. it's, it's ageism at its best, right? Um, but very cleverly clothed. Yeah. I mean, it's not ageism, but it is. It is. I don't like it. I understand what they're doing, and they're doing. So. One, they're, they're really trying to get um, cheap, cheap labor. Um, well, I want to see what happens when a 60 or a 55-year-old, let's say, enrolls in UVU. Yeah. And wants to become a flight attendant. I know, exactly. What is right? going to happen? 
for sure. Let's do it. We're close to that age. Let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't like when people do, they, they make it seem as if they're trying to help you. Because I saw the story came across and I'm like, hmm, something's fishy about that. Um, you're going through so much trouble not to hire older people. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, I should so probably... The test will be... But they didn't say if this was going to be the exclusive means of hiring flight attendants. Well, I mean, it, it, they, they, I guess they have to hire some regular flight attendants now, right? Because they need mm. to get the airline up and running. But I guess it's to make sure they always have flight attendants. Right. A stream yeah. of flight attendants. Yeah. Because I think it's a good deal, right, for a student. I mean, if oh, yeah. you can get your tuition paid, you get free housing. Why not? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great deal for the um for the flight for the the students, but what yeah. about, you know, that's a little discriminate discriminatory. I don't like it. So I, I yeah I just I don't I don't like it and they um, and I guess you know he's from Utah so that's probably why he's using the university in Utah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't like so. it. it. It's 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 discriminatory, and it's disguised. And it even makes it worst. Um, so they but you know, again, if you go to especially parts of Asia, they're not shy about discriminating. I mean, you know that, right? Oh, no, absolutely. So, like in, in the Caribbean, when you apply, you need a picture. And if they don't like your picture, you don't get that. <laughs> and isn't it the Air Asia guy that he, he actually picks the flight attendants? Is that the guy? I don't know that. I yeah. never heard that. Yeah, there's one of those uh, one of those carriers in Asia. The the CEO actually picks the thing. Picks the they're thing. not shy about openly admitting it. Yeah, but again, no, that's they're a not cultural thing. Yeah, cultural. I don't like it. I don't like when people so, do that because it means that if you're going to do that, you're going to openly do that, and you're circumventing, you're twisting stuff so you can get that done. And what else are you twisting? I so know. I guess we just have to fly breeze and see if there are any older flight attendants on board. Yeah, I don't know if I want to fly them now because that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Um, so the industry is, you know, getting rid of a lot of airplanes and um, 747 is like at the front of the line. <laughs> and, Followed by the A380, then the triple sevens. I mean, people just get rid of the airplane. And Virgin Atlantic um, has also gotten rid of a bunch of their, their airplanes too. And so tell us what happens with the, uh, what are they doing with their 744s? Well, actually what they did. Oh, they did. Okay. Uh, so this happened uh, two days ago. Yeah. And uh, Virgin Atlantic has done a pretty good job of sending off their 747s. And they've especially catered to aviation enthusiasts. So they launched service with the 747 actually yeah. from London to New York. This was reported in CNN Travel. So it was a big deal. And they planned, this was again, uh, the week of, this, of November 28th. They planned what they call the ultimate 747 experience. And they catered mainly to fans of the aircraft. So what they were going to do, and actually what they did on December 12th, uh, which is uh, on Saturday at London Heathrow in one of the Virgin hangars, is they organized a sort of a farewell party. This was the last uh, Virgin 
747 that was to be retired. They announced a sale of uh, 50 pounds, that is about 67 US dollars, mm -hmm. uh, for a three hour extravaganza, if you will, at these uh, urgent hangar headquarters where enthusiasts could share an all-access tour of the aircraft. And what that means is that um, you have champagne on the upper deck. You can take a selfie in one of the engines. You can tour the, the aircraft with um, sleeping areas, the cargo hold, and the flight deck being accessible. Plus, you get a three-course a la carte meal in upper class, hmm. all for 50 pounds. So they had this for sale on December 7th at 9 a.m. GMT on this website called Eventbrite. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a... Which is an event planning site. Correct, yeah. So I actually went to that site beforehand, and mm -hmm. they did specify that this was happening on the 7th at 9 a.m. GMT. So I went, given my time difference, I actually went to the website at about 10 a.m. And can you guess if I could get a seat? No. Nope. Of course not. Sold out. <laughs> they didn't specify how many people were invited. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure uh, details will come out shortly. Yeah. Because as I said, it happened two weeks ago, but I thought this was a great idea. Yeah, Virgin did yeah, it's, that, that's very, very cool. I'm sure some of the geeks, I have to look online and see some of the geek videos will probably show up soon. Actually, there is one, but I just haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah. So, um, cool. yeah, I would have actually loved to do this. Yeah, yeah. But nice. uh, given the quarantine requirements in the UK, it would not have been really possible. But for £50, not a bad deal. And the best part deal. is that the sales, uh, the proceeds go to what is called the Trussell Trust, which supports UK food banks. Oh, okay. So that's so, not So they're doing yeah. something good. I thought them. that was a great cause. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, Sir, it's Sir Richard, right? I mean, if he's going to do something, yeah. he's going to do it well. Yeah. Um, get so, publicity. Yeah. But, but the thing is that when he does his, his publicity things, they're well thought out. And... Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he, he loves his charities, so the charities do benefit, so that's a good deal. Um, so. All right. That's cool. Well done. Well done. Um, so there, there are a few carriers that fly across the Atlantic, um, and uh, the company is actually one of them, and they do uh, business class service across the Atlantic. And they actually start right. flying the, um, is it the NEO? Not a Neo. 221 Neo. 221 um, Neo. Um, I actually yeah. saw that at the, um, uh, what was it now? That was the Paris, the Paris Air Show, which, by the way, mm. is canceled for next year. Yes, I saw that. Uh, I was like, I really? and Farmer, of course, didn't go off this year, but then they canceled, mm. yeah, they canceled that one for next year. Um, but I didn't even realize the that. company... Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. they, they, they had stopped flying, but mm -hmm. they didn't start flying. What's going on there? Yeah, that's this is a, again, um, this was an airways, and it's sort of a strange story, but a sort of expected story. Yeah. So La, Comp La Compagnie um, is a business class only 
airline that had a very limited uh, route network uh, between Newark, Orly in Paris, Nice and London Luton. And they stopped flying um, in March, mid-March 2020, because of course the COVID pandemic, our pandemic. They used to fly 757s, but they've since switched to two A321neos. Right, really nice plane. Again, all business class. And they've been doing charters in September and October on a uh, scattered, not a very often basis, but that's what they've been getting some revenue. And then they announced that uh, they are going to operate um, three round trip flights in December between Newark and Oli on the 19th and the 20th going eastbound, the 26th and the 27th going eastbound, and on January 2nd and 3rd going eastbound between France and the US. Now, um, again, it's open to very restricted uh, class types of passengers because um, leisure traffic between France and the US is still prohibited. But I thought it was a little odd to operate three flights in the holiday period. But given that the high yields that airlines typically have during these peak travel periods, I mean, I can understand it, but it doesn't seem very sustainable if they're only going to operate three flights. But again, this yeah. could be another means to, re to, rein, to get in uh, revenue on an ad hoc basis. Yeah, that's so, interesting. The way what they're trying to do, um, I I guess, yeah, it's, it's probably also crew crew um, the crew and aircraft utilization, and right? Yeah, and it's yeah. so weird because they just got these three twenty ones. Um, that's right. Yeah, they they showed them off at the Paris Air Show, and so uh, yeah. wow. Um, you see them at um, in tap colors also at Newark. Yeah, tap now yeah. flies them as well. Uh, very cool. Well, yeah. you know, at least they're getting a, a, a little holiday revenue in there. Um, yeah. It's probably yeah. costing them more to fly than uh, what they're getting from the revenue, but yeah. they need they need to put some hours on the planes and get some crew trained. Um, yep. Oh, my word. Uh, all right. We got another story. Uh, this time we're going over, over. We're going from Paris. We're going to Dubai. Um a lot of these airlines have uh, introduced like, you know, I guess different parts of the product. Um, so um, I think that United just added premium economy, so did American, the plans and BA already had those, you know, they could just call them something different, but Emirates didn't have anything like that. Um, they just right. had economy and business and now- And they still added, don't. Um, right. They still well, don't. not exactly, but yeah. they've made a little more transparent their plans. Yeah, okay, so, so what's going on? What have they said? So Emirates has been a um, big player in this, given how successful they've been mm -hmm. and how they've so far resisted premium economy. Um, well, this it, during the week of November 28th, they finally announced their seat selection. Um, it was the Recaro PL3530, if that means anything. But you've probably flown it if you've flown with China Southern, Vistara, and uh, Air Premier, which actually isn't yet in service in South Korea. Then I haven't flown it. I haven't flown those seats. Um, <laughs> and the reason this came up 
is because um, the A380 is going to be the first aircraft that has these installed. So ah, okay. Emirates just got delivery of a 380 and they have two more scheduled for this year. And the second of those two aircraft is going to have these seats on board. Um, it's going to be delivered at the towards the end of December. Um, it's going to have 38, this cabin rather, the premium economy, it's going to have 38 inches of pitch, which is the typical configuration that most airlines like British Airways, yeah. Lufthansa, Singapore, United, and even Virgin and Air France have. So it's nothing extra special, but again, uh, marketing hype. The seats will apparently remind you of a Mercedes-Benz, if you can believe that. But they will have a very striking color scheme. Well, it's Emirates, so yes, I can believe it. It's Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's not gold, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to be, on, an, on a 380 at least, they're going to be 58 of them. And on the two-class 380s, they're going to be on the upper deck in front where first class was. And on the three class 380s, so first business and economy, uh -huh. they're going to be on the lower deck in front. Oh, okay. So as you walk in, you'll see them. Yes. So mm -hmm. I think this is a very smart move that they made is that they will wait to sell this new product until what they call they have critical mass of aircraft with the new cabin. And they expect this to happen in 2021 as okay. more 380s are delivered. Um, because it's going to be only introduced on the 380, the 359s that they're getting, the 7779s, um, and the 789s. Okay. And they have none of those in their fleet as yet. So in the meantime, um, you can actually snag one of these seats for the price of economy, if you know what you're looking for yeah. on board, on that particular 380. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, that's typically what they do whenever they install these new seats. They wait, they wait right. to have enough for airplanes, but them to start. I know United did it as well. And yeah, of course, yeah. there are no details on the price and the mileage required. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they do look very comfortable. Yeah. Um, no question. But the eight degrees of recline um, I mean, doesn't do much for me. I'm no um, expert on that. That's a lot more than comfortable. This is a lot yes, more than what's absolutely. there. And I guess absolutely. they'll have a footrest. So when you do a footrest, yes, they do. Recline, that they will do. definitely help because 38 inches yes. gives you quite a bit of room. Yeah, and it's a, they expect it to be a 242 um, configuration. On the 380? So on the 380, correct. Wow. Actually, on all the aircraft. Wow. So, three, four. Three. Not surprising, really, because they're all white bodies, right? Yeah. But aren't they, are they 343 or 353? On the uh, where? On the 380. I, you know, I, I think it's five. I'm not sure. I think it's, I think three, it's five. I think on it's the 777, it's five. Yeah, I think it's 353 on the 380. So that's 11 seats down oh. to 242? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Uh, interesting. So. Yeah, all right.
I'm looking forward to seeing that. So, COVID. COVID is, we can't go away too soon, right? <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to jump back in. We're going to go to Asia for a little bit. Now we're going to talk about Peach Aviation. Um, more flights to nowhere. What are they doing? So we've been talking about this for months, flights yeah. to nowhere. And we all thought it had been exhausted. But the no. themes and the trends. But no, not at all. And again, this is focused on Asia. Mm-hmm. So Peach, uh, which again, I think is a bit of an awkward name, uh, but it's the low-cost subsidiary of Japan's ANA. Uh, they announced that they were going to have um, flights to nowhere, but on an educational basis. Yeah. Um, in the aircraft, the airline actually was uh, contacted by a group called the Kansai Sky Friends Association, which is a group of local elementary and junior high school students with an interest in aviation. So what they did, um, they had their first flight in November, uh, starting from uh, Osaka Kansai, uh, Hicks okay. Airport, uh-huh. and they actually had 120 passengers on board. Uh, it was two hours in the air, and passengers were flown over the southern two uh, Japanese islands of Kyushu and Shikoku, and the students were given onboard lectures of the duties and requirements of uh, cabin and flight crew. Okay. And it was so popular that Beach has decided to have two more flights for this purpose. Why not? Right. Of course, they were slammed by environmentalists for creating, as they called, a shed load of emissions, something we can well do without at this crucial time for the climate. <laughs> I mean, of course, you expect that. I know. But, 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 but look at how many flights Peach hasn't flown this year, right? That's right. I mean, come on. Give them a break. Cut, cut them some slack. <laughs> so... Uh, I know yeah. we've tried to report on every single uh, flight to nowhere, so that's why we couldn't leave this one out. Yeah, no, this is good. We're going to have to make a list, you know, because <laughs> there's certainly been. I think there is one. I think we did create one. Oh, and is that was that that was an article that you wrote, yes. right? Okay. All yes. Right. We have to so we have to expand it and add some. Update it, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to try to get some oh. links. I didn't do any links in it. I'm going to try to get some links for it. Um, all right, still in Japan. Um, I don't like QR codes. I think I think QR code is the worst thing that could ever were ever created. But anyway, you know, this was a story I thought you would push back on. <laughs> you know, because so well, again, you. it was. <laughs> um, it's one of those stories that is news, but not exactly news. But yet, ANA insists that it's unique. Um, we've all known about airline credit cards, mm-hmm. but this is, according to ANA, and I believe them, the first time where an airline has issued a payment system based exclusively on a QR code. It's in Probably. collaboration with JCB, which is a credit card issuer, mm-hmm. and it will allow its frequent flyers, I don't know why they only specified frequent flyers, to um, gather miles by paying cashlessly, cashless 
for everything from um, supermarkets to drugstores in Japan so far. Oh, okay. Apparently, all you have to do is take a picture of the QR code and you can gather anywhere from 6 to 16 miles per thousand Japanese yen, which is about US $10 of uh, yes. So I don't think it's significantly different from what a lot of other carriers offer, specifically United. Uh, but it is based on QR codes only, and there is no credit card involved, as far as I'm, as far as I know. So, uh, how does it work? Do I just use my phone and scan the item? Yes. Okay. So, so it's probably like Samsung Pay or Apple Pay. It, but they say it's different from PayPal, which is accepted by a lot of airlines around the world, and also different from Google Pay. Yeah, I'd rather look at it a little bit. Because no, normally, um, I'm just trying to think of how do you use it? And of course, they provided no details. Yeah, it sounds... Because I don't know if a QR code is generated every time you make a purchase and you just take a picture. Well, so, normally, normally with the QR code, you, um, you use your phone and you scan the right. code. And then the code will take you to, sometimes there's a link in it, and that link will take you to a particular page. Right. But if and you're, let's say, at a supermarket and buying 15 items, you're not yeah. going to be expected to scan 15 QR codes. No, you would just... And it has to be tailored. Yeah. So QR code has to be tailored for your purchase. Correct. So you would just pay for it. And I assume that the QR code has your, your payment information in it. Um, yes, it would be. Yes. Yeah, so that's why this is uh, interesting. But a lot of uh, like Chase is doing the same thing in the US where they realize that people aren't flying. And so okay. um, because people aren't, uh, oh, I think I just lost his last story. Or maybe not. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and because um, I had my hand on the phone and it deleted the story, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And um, because people are not flying, what Chase is doing is they're allowing you to uh, use your card at the grocery store huh. and also get miles for frequent flyer miles and stuff like that. So they're just giving their current um, JCB card members uh, and JCB is one of the cards. It's like Chase with United or Chase with, you know, the U.S. carriers. JCB. Is have they started it? Have they started um, it? You mean uh, a and No, um, Chase. Because ANA is starting this month. Yeah, I mean, Chase is already allowing that. Chase don't have the QR code thing that they're talking about. Okay. But, Chase, but Chase is already um, allowing you to buy mile, to buy other stuff and get miles okay. for it in addition to the flights huh. because nobody's flying and no one's doing hotels and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's good that they're, that they're doing that. Um, Innovation, and, alive and well. Yes, exactly. So, okay, so that and was, actually the last story we have because I think we're coming up to an hour if we haven't exceeded that already. Uh, yes, but we only have is, one story. Um, right, it's, it's, it's cruises to nowhere. to nowhere. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> so, we haven't uh, had too many of these, but no, Singapore has no. taken the lead on this, and so far they've been doing quite well. Well, that ended. Uh, during the week of November 28th. Yeah. So 
Royal Caribbean had just set sail from Singapore on their Quantum of the Seas ship on a four-day Singapore round trip when um, an 83-year-old male passenger came into the clinic with diarrhea. You know, this is probably TMI, but there you have it. That really is um, TMI, Kusha, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to standard protocol, they tested him for COVID and they found him positive. And of course, there was a mild panic. Yes, of course. So this was at 2.45 in the morning. So they confined everyone in, with immediate effect to their cabins for about half a day. Um, and um, long story short, uh, they came back to Singapore, cutting short their trip. Right. But when they did a repeat test and used a second sample for another test, they found it to be negative. <laughs> they got a case of a false positive with this uh, with this passenger, and caused quite the disruption. But unwanted, and I'm sure the passengers on board were extremely irritated. Yeah, but they they were treated like passenger was positive, um, and they were sequestered in their cabins, and they were only allowed to disembark. Um, I believe about 12 hours later in the evening. Remember, this happened very yeah. early in the morning. Why didn't they just, test, it just test the guy demonstrated twice? that apparently that may not be the standard protocol? Hmm. Because this, the results of the false positive came off, came out after they had disembarked. So okay. um, I'm glad someone thought of it, though. So the takeaway from this is you need to get better doctors or better nurses so they can- Well, take, no, this take the test, test is, you know, the rapid test is susceptible to false positive. That's not yeah. anything the doctors fault. Uh, well, right, but, but, but this is what they're using for the, the rapid test for these? Yes, yes. Yeah. Remember maybe. all these passengers went through strict testing requirements before they were allowed to board and also were required to do it after they, they got off the ship. So which means that they're so gonna have still to- happen. So, so what they're gonna have to do, they're gonna have to test people twice, right? They are doing, doing it twice, they are. It had 2000 passengers. Yeah. 16, about 1700 passengers and about 1200 crew. Yeah, I did, because so, that's, that's their biggest ship. It was a quantum of the seas, right? Was it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw okay. a picture of it. Um, and I was okay. like, whoa. I, so the interesting thing, I didn't realize that that ship was in oh. Singapore. So it was probably okay. on its way doing some other voyage. And it got stuck in Singapore, which is probably why it's still there. Or it got stuck somewhere close by and they birthed, oh. they, they birthed in Singapore. Wow. So now the next test is, are they going to do another one after this? They probably will, but they're going to... Given how popular they are. They're going to have to do better testing. <laughs> yeah, because this one cost them, right? Because I'm sure they had yeah. to refund all the passengers' money. Well, they'll probably do another one with the same passengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still cost them, right? They were at sea for a day. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, cruise ships, it's not, it's not cheap to get them moving. No. Oh my God! Uh, I, I, I there you have cruise, it. And I actually do like cruises. 
because you know you 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 get in the cruise and you just go and you get up and mm -hmm. you get to an island or, or a port, you do some stuff, you get back on, you eat, you sleep, you drink. They're actually quite fun. <sighs> All right, so that's the Latin. That's Environment, the environmentalist will scream at you because they're so wasteful, especially yeah, as regards food. Yeah, they will. They're all wasteful. But you know what, Kusho? I'm pretty sure I could show all the environmentalists all the stuff that they waste and don't realize that they waste. Because mm -hmm. you know what? They're probably complaining uh, and they have an iPhone. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I made any friends during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Between the environmentalists and the, and the people with the pets, <laughs> I don't think I made any friends. Oh. Okay, I think that was the last story we had, right? Yes. All right, very cool. Well, thank you, Krisha. That was really good. Um, well, don't forget to subscribe to us on the Spotify and, um, and iTunes. And since we, I think you're going to call this a controversial episode. <laughs> um, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. And um, we will see you uh, next week. And this is my, uh, I'm Kerwin. It's my friend Kushro. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, Chris, I shouldn't let you. So this is Kerwin and my friend. Kushro. There we go. And uh, we're signing thank off. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we're signing off. Talk to you guys soon. All right, bye.